We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. You know, I think I saw this orange thing in the sky on the way here. I'm not sure what it was, but... Uh... <laughs> It, uh, I believe it's the sun. So uh, I was supposed to actually, I mean, we had sun yesterday, might even have it today. So could have two days in a row. What a novel concept. Uh, anyway, um, you know, we talk about our, our uh, web page and uh, where to go. And if you'd like to sign up for a newsletter, I made a, well, I'd say Bob Dickey made a good call this week and I sent it out to my people. Uh, I said that there's a good possibility that gold would break through. And it did. And I think it's going to be a very bullish call. And I think Bob thinks the same way. If you'd like to get on my email list, uh, you just go to Tim, you Google or Bing Tim Hayes radio. And I show up. You can always tell it's me because it's buy low, sell high. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things, uh, where you just hit email me or, or contact me and, and you can get it. While you're there, don't forget, uh, you know, every week we have the market week, and I also send that out to the people who um, are on my list. Uh, and then the daily technical analysis, and there's a great piece on uh, uh, the uh, uh, cybersecurity, which I think is a really important, uh, very, very important, as a matter of fact, here. So, and what to do with a data breach, and you should know that. We have a new newsletter it's, uh, for July. It, by the way, if you're on my mailing list, it went out last week. And uh, first of all, it's time to declare your financial independ- independence, which is uh, always good. And should you invest internationally? Why not to do it now? New research on procrastination. <laughs> and have you checked your tax withholding lately? And that's uh, pretty important stuff. I keep uh, talking about this rewriting retirement, and since only three people have signed up for it, <laughs> I know I have something good. It's probably one of the most comprehensive pieces that RBC's ever put out. Uh, it talks about exploring the, the shifting mindset of a whole new generation of retirees. And uh, it's got a lot of good stuff in there, so we'll just leave it at that. Uh, once again, uh, you know, I also mentioned that uh, if you get anything on this, if you want to get anything on this uh, of our lists, you know, we had the healthcare conferences, both one and two, and you probably didn't know this, but healthcare tends to outperform into the first rate cut and further. Usually it's the second rate cut before they, they underperform. And then they don't underperform by much, by the way. Uh, we have our top ideas. Our ADR list is starting to get interesting. Uh, you know, our ADR list is now beating the, the indexes, uh, which is kind of good. The dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list. Uh, those are uh, some of the real estate investment trusts in there. Uh, you know, I tried to get some people to buy those last spring, and I, got, I was successful in some cases. In some cases, I wasn't. And uh, I had one gentleman give me a 10-minute dissertation on why REITs are, are uh, doing things wrong, and, and they're, they're all up about 15% plus the dividend. So uh, maybe he 
he had the wrong idea. But uh, the point is, is that uh, they've come a long way. So you want to be, uh, I mean, either this week or next week, I'm going to talk about REITs and tell you exactly. Uh, real, REITs are, by the way, real estate investment trusts. So they're real estate that trades on the New York Stock Exchange. Okay. Mount Everest in Nepal is making history this climate season, having issued 381 permits. It's the highest number ever. Anyone who pays 11000 cost is eligible for the permit to climb Mount Everest. Additional costs and other expenses usually amount to about $45,000 per climber, by the way, so it's not a cheap trip. Uh, global renewal energy cons- uh, consumption increased 15% in 2008, and China's renewables consumption has grown 20 times in the last 10 years. Maybe that's why oil, I'm going to talk about oil uh, later on in this show. The U.S. deficit widened to 38.8% annually to $738.6 billion for the first eight months. So far, the government revenue uh, increase of 2.3% hasn't kept up with a 9.3% jump in spending. Mm. You know, I've been talking about growth versus value, and uh, you know, growth stocks don't show any signs of peaking yet. Uh, they are at a high valuation, I think. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's a flip-flop. Uh, value stocks are getting close to where they were in 2000. Or they're below where they were in 2000. And oil stocks... As I said last week, oil stocks are um, below 5% of the S&P 500 weighting. Never happened before. So it's, you know, we, we have this, you know, I, I think there's a, a big concern about moderating earnings expansion, which has driven uh, some pretty wild bouts of vo- market volatility uh, lately. But look, uh, we've had a period of weakening profits uh, growth and Historically, people just that, that supports growth equities and people put them to pretty high valuations, I'd say. So, I mean, from 1984 to 2018, eight periods of weakening growth occurred during which the Russell Growth Index generated a median return of 15.8%. So it's out there, folks, you know. Now, I don't know if you ever heard of Moore's Law, but uh, he was the CEO of Intel and he said that computing speeds would double or, or, the, or the computer double. The, the speed and ability of computers doubles every two years as the number of transistors on a microchip increases. And it's been the, the uh, driving force of the global digital revolution. Now a different version of Moore's Law is set to usher in even a larger, more powerful change in technology. And uh, it's the exponential growth in training of artificial intelligence programs. Uh, the amount of training a computer program undergoes drives advances in, in AI. So, the training can be thought of as computing usage, compute for short, uh, needed to practice and improve a programmer's or a program skills. So the chart, you know, if you if you look at some of the, the charts I've seen, the more training uh, a computer gets, the, the more it learns. So uh, that'll double every two years. So, you know, AI is here, folks. Uh, embrace it, whatever. Um, you know, I, I had a, a friend of mine call uh, – client friend of mine and he said uh tim have you ever heard of the three hamburger uh harbingers converging and that's the revolutionary cycle the populist movement cycle and the financial crisis cycle all uh, and usually it's it's a pretty positive development from what i understand uh but it's it's happening now supposedly uh so we'll just see you know we we went to town on uh, convertible bonds and that was probably a good thing if you bought them uh, I bought them for uh, some of my income accounts, and uh, boy, they made a big move in the last month. Even with the market going down 
uh, with bond yields going down, they were going up. And then when the market kicked in after that, they made a big, big move. So uh, it, it was, it's very interesting uh, what's going on here. But the returns uh, are about 2% greater than the, than the equity markets at this point. So uh, in that short month, it was uh, 7 8%, so not bad. Um, you know, I did notice there's the there's been huge IPOs coming. Obviously, everybody's been talking about it, and some of them are have been big. You know, Slack came Thursday. Uh, we've had Uber, Lyft, Beyond Meat, uh, Precision Biosystems. We've had Chewy. Uh, we've had CrowdStrike. We've, uh, I mean, been a lot of them, and it's amazing how much money's coming out of the markets uh, to go into these. So they're 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 betting on IPOs. Usually IPOs are not a great asset class, although they do have times when they look out. The FMC left the federal funds rate target unchanged between two and a half and uh, two and a quarter and two fifty percent, and the ten year dropped below two percent. So uh, they did make some key changes to their statement. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how we where we go from here. I think that was pushed by Mr. Trump. Uh, I I love what he's doing, but I think sometimes he needs to be quiet a little bit. But uh, Lori Calcivina uh, talked about the mood of the market. She's our head strategist, and she said, basically, they did an investor sur- survey across 134 equity-focused institutional investors and notes that pessimism was up sharply, sharply with 40% of the investors describing themselves as bearish or v- versus uh, 24 in the March poll. So for perspective, this is the first time Lori has seen bears outweigh bulls since she started the survey six quarters ago. Uh so a number of uh, other interesting expectations uh, are as follows. Operating margins continue to shrink. Biden to win the ne- Democratic nomination, but uh, I understand that the Democrats don't want that. And uh, few expect an intimate trade deal with uh, China, and the yield curve concerns have diminished. I don't know why it's getting <laughs> uh, – things are getting more uh, drastic here. Uh, but, you know, the Fed brings back the punch bowl if, if they lower rates, so we'll see what happens and uh, going going from there. You know um, – Disruption is sort of an ill-defined and overused term in our business today. So when I hear the word use, the cynical part of me is inclined to think that I'm listening to someone who's trying to uh, appear clever on the top of things, you know. Uh, on the other hand, when I look at areas such as media, retailing, and soft, there has been an unusually high incident of companies that have lost market share in an impossibly short period of time uh, due to profound and rapid changes in, in their industries. And, uh, you know, I know Credit Suisse reported this week that, uh, you know, on the currency adjusted basis, we had Facebook uh, come out with a new uh, product, for, which is a, you know, uh, uh, its own currency, shall we say. And, uh, you know, we've seen uh, quite a few things in this area. So uh, I'm also seeing some big things. Here's some disruptive things that are happening today. Globalization, uh, a multi multipolar world. Uh, throughout much of the developed world, the forces of globalization have ang- angered uh, citizens financially and, and culturally displaced by by it, uh, too. Technological innovation, R&D is the key here, and regulation and government policy is getting kind of out of hand, if you ask me. Um, but that's, you know, for another scenario. Now, one of the things, um, you know, I, I talk about is uh, the bell curve and implied momentum a lot, and uh, you know, what, what you want to do is you want to be bullish when the implied momentum is oversold. That's when, you you know, you buy calls. Like I said, you can throw the long ball and all that stuff. So that's when the bullish percents below 30. Uh, 
you know, and we're at 40 right now, and I, I think we're getting very close to have the bullish percent turn back up, by the way. It, it, I, it did not do it yet, but it's very close. I don't know if it did it Friday. I got a, I, I didn't check, and I apologize. But uh, the, but and then you know, buy puts in the in the bearish area or or sell calls, whatever it may be. But we, you know, we look at the six zones that we talked about. The first zone being completely oversold. And that's the best place to buy a stock. And six zone where you're very very overbought and you want to stay away from those. I've been noticing that the implied momentum. We've had almost seventy uh, percent of the stocks in the second, third, and fourth category, all right, of uh, the or zones right now. So we're not overbought, but we're not oversold. And uh, but they get a lot of stocks that are sitting there in the middle. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what goes on. Um, now, somebody asked me about IPOs, and and the retail market is not getting very much of them, hardly at all. And there has been a rush to put out ETFs that have access to the IPO market, uh, uh, mostly tech, okay? And, uh, you know, th- that happened uh, back in 2000. So I just, you know, there was a lot of people, you know, putting together little funds that just did IPOs. So be, be a bit careful. Hey, we're going to be right back. We're going to talk about uh, some things shortly. <laughs> this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Okay, we're back. Um, and I was just talking about IPOs. By the way, this is a Smart Investor Show, and I'm Tim Hayes. And uh, it, I, IPOs are very difficult to get. And the question is, do you buy them on, you know, the open? Uh, and that really depends. Uh, look, Yeti came out at 18, fell all the way back to 12, and then went to 36. Pinterest came out, went up right away, and went to 35. Is now sitting at 26. Do you buy it now? Okay. Uber, never saw the light of day, really. It's it's kind of sitting where it came public. Lyft went up for about a minute and a half and got creamed. Um, you know, uh, TradeWeb went up nicely and has been going sideways for a pretty long time. Uh, also, Zoom went crazy on the upside, more than I thought. You know, I, I thought Cisco was going to eat their lunch, but I guess they have something that I don't know about. Uh, then, then you had... Uh, you know, Chewy, which is, uh, sends Chewy treats to your dog. And, uh, you know, that went up 35, 40% in the first five minutes of trading. So generally, though, new issues are not a great asset class. Initially, anyway. I can tell you more and more times than one, uh, I have waited for a new issue to blow up and then looked it over. Okay. Now, I did notice that. If you look at the most active sectors, healthcare is number one. And uh, I've also noticed that if there's any good news on a healthcare stock right now, especially in the biotech area, secondary is soon to follow. And then technology is number two at, at 26%, and then consumer discretionary is number three at 10%. What's interesting is ca- uh, communication services is the lowest as, as materials, and those are value stocks. So it'll be interesting to see if those things come back. Uh, but I took a look at a bunch of... Um, different uh, initial public offerings, and I own a couple of these, and, and some of them did exactly what I said. They, they didn't do anything for a while, and then they took off. Roku, Smartsheet, uh, Zscaler, uh, Okta, you know, um, uh, MongoDB, uh, Carvana, uh, you know, they, they, they all got beat up and then took off. So 
be interesting to see uh, this round if the you know the ones that went up, uh, you know, if they get beat up a little bit, uh, will will people you know come back in? Now, you know, a lot of people are talking about a melt up or a meltdown. Uh, depends on who you talk about. I mean, I've heard anybody say that we're ready to go down thirty percent. I've heard other people say we're ready to go up thirty percent. And uh, so I looked at a couple people: Andrew Garthwaite, who's uh, the head strategist or global equity strategist at at um, Credit Suisse. You know, and they're kind of taking stock of the current market and economy, et cetera. And he said, earnings revisions appear to have troughed, and they're decoupling uh, from falling uh, price uh, PMIs, if you don't know what that is. Um, and the cyclical threat of diminishing margins as a result of wage inflation has largely dissipated into nothing. Uh, equity position appears relatively cautious. You know, there's $145 billion in outflows year-to-date, so, I mean, nobody's jumping in all all at once. Global markets are in the midst of their longest spell of neg- negative macro surprises since 2004. So all those people said to get into to international stocks a year ago, you got killed. Now, they have bounced, and now they've pulled back, so it'll be interesting to see. You know, my call was about a month and a half ago. Uh, the FXI actually came all the way back down. The EEM came back down to... Uh, about about halfway, so uh, so he thinks uh, the yield curve is is probably the biggest problem with it being as inverted as it is. And he said the normal lead indicators of a U.S. recession imply a recession maybe the quarter the third quarter of 2020. And he said U.S. Uh, cat free cash flow has just fallen to a level below the combined value of dividends and, and buybacks, and that limits the payouts going forward. Just so you know. Uh, trade tensions, you know, could persist through, uh, through the end of the year. Now, th- there are people talking about a melt-up. And then uh, Joe Zittle, who's the chief investment strategist with uh, Taylor Becker, uh, he, you know, he talks of, he's at Blackstone, I'm sorry. Uh, he says tariffs of Mexico suspended, Fed cuts. You know, the Fed could disappoint, which they kind of, I don't know if they disappointed or not here. But he said uh, little uh, clarity on trade, and I don't think that's going to go away for a while. And earnings are still a problem. Uh, they're still taking, you know, um, you know, stock a day, uh, and and taking them out and shooting them. But uh, you know, PMIs uh, peak before earnings turn negative, and the 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 PMIs have definitely peaked and have headed south. Uh, and what I'm looking at is the ISM manufacturing PMI and the S and P 500, and uh, so the PMIs have turned. So maybe earnings, uh, you know. Are turning south. I, I don't know. It all depends. You know, unfortunately, it all depends on the Fed, and all depends on the the Chinese thing. So, you know, it's one of those things where I think it's too late to go to sleep. It's too early to get up. <laughs> and like I said last week, you know, I am. Uh, how can I put this? Uh, I am tentative but bullish. Now, one of the things I did look into, and I, I saw this from the 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 Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. I get the newsletter. And I don't know what's what's happened, but in 2008, something broke in the economy. And we, you know, we obviously know about the financial crisis. But if you take the GDP minus the federal debt, it went from plus six trillion to a negative 1.2 trillion. And so, you know, you look at the GDP, the gross domestic product minus federal debt, and we've been in a negative number now for some time. And I, I guess my question is. Uh, why are they raising rates if that's occurring, you know? Uh, this Commodity Research Bureau Index is certainly not showing any kind of uh, 
a sign of inflation. So there we go. Anyway, if you look at relative bank based, relative strength based uh, strategies, and what you're looking for is the top performing stock in your area. Uh, you know, you fre- frequently refer to things as dispersion between groups. The wider the dispersion between the asset classes, the greater the opportunity for outperformance. You know that type of thing. And if you look, uh, technology sector has proven a leader. It's now 27 percent of the weighting in the S&P 500, which is a high number, by the way. Industrials is another sector that shows strength in recent months. However, uh, the subsector exposure to infrastructure and transportation groups have yielded a little less fruit. Uh, now, financial is an area where the subsector diversion has taken place. Uh, now, if you're in uh, what I call the uh, the fintech stocks, I mean, Visa and MasterCard are, they're not they're not suffering with the rest of the financials. So there you go. Now, healthcare has been a difficult sector to hold on to recent months because uh, it it's you know it's leading only basic materials and energy in terms of year-to-date uh, performance. So, but it's what's happening is it keeps popping up and then pulling back. You know, as soon as there's a comment by somebody in Washington. So now, energy has been a difficult place to maintain exposure and. And like I said last week, you know, this is a situation where, uh, you know, literally, they are in a, they are below five percent weighting in the S and P five hundred, a place they've never been before. And I don't know if it's the millennials saying we'll never use them, we're going to go to electric, but you know, the last five uh, power plants that were built, two of them were natural gas, the rest of them were oil. So I don't know where they're getting getting that, but. Somebody asked me, Tim, what are the the bullish point and figure patterns? They are a double top, a triple top, a bullish catapult. By the way, then there's quadruple top, quintuple top, and all those others. A shakeout pattern, a bullish triangle, and a bearish signal reversal. Uh, if you want to go over those, give me a call. Um, I was looking at 10-year Treasury yield, and we went below not two. So Bob Dickey hit it right on the nail, uh, and that's from 3.2. So you're down... Oh, boy, if you went long treasuries, you made a fortune is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, you know, and, and one of the things I noticed that utilities and real estate investment trusts have definitely had a, a direct correlation, a lack of dispersion, shall we say. Uh, and that's the group where most of the new highs are. Now, back in spring of 2008, you can go check this, if you will. We said buy yield when it's up. And I yield was up, and we we thought that we would have a scenario where – Yield would be lower for longer. We were right. Uh, so anyway, I, I guess I was looking at charts this week, and I, I and this is Tim's opinion, but I guess you know my question is: Are small caps the canary in the coal mine? And they're not doing so hot. Uh, you know, their twenty-five year return uh, has been much higher uh, in in the long run than the S and P five hundred. However, in the last five six years. Uh, the S&P 500 is creaming it. So I don't know if everybody's just going to index funds and forget about small caps. Who knows? But they are underperforming. Uh, you know, they're up 516%. The S&P 500 is up five, 532. Uh, you know, so frankly, I'm, I'm pretty amazed that the S&P 500 uh, has held up as long as it has this 25-year record. Uh, normally in the past, it's been the uh, the Russell that has outperformed over a long period of time. To give you an example, um, the Russell has averaged 10.6% uh, during the modern year, and the and the S&P has averaged about 9 And uh, 
that's in good times. In the bad times, obviously, whatever. I did notice, I looked at lumber stocks, and I noticed a lot, not only lumber, but lumber stocks in, in the ETFs. Uh, a couple of them hit double bottoms. It's kind of a interesting type of, it's a lower double bottom, but uh, kind of a double bottom. And uh, we're starting to see some of the relative strength things turn up. Uh, wood, you know, uh, which is uh, ETF, had a perfect double bottom. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, the XLP, which is consumer staples, uh, gave a pretty big buy signal this week. So that's kind of interesting. If you know, if the technology stocks are going up, consumer staples are are where it's at. Okay, that's that's unusual. But I tell you, since we started talking about uh, subscription software, which was back in 2017, uh, it's been an absolute home run. Now, you know, I've had Roku, I've had Coop. And some of these things are trading at pretty high multiples at this point, so I've started to deliver them back to the market. But Coupa, you know, there's been Rapid, uh, uh, Rapid Twenty, uh, Rapid Seven. I mean, uh, Trade Desk, ServiceNow. All these names have just been skyrocketing, and and we've followed them all. Uh, so that's why I kept talking about that uh, uh, that that software, uh, you know, that technology conference we had, and, and all those names just went nuts. Um, I I did notice. Uh, there is an old name that we have number one rated in our financial technology group. And I mean, it's one of the oldest names on the, in, in the computer industry. And it, it ought to be um, really interesting to see how that does. I've been starting to buy it a little bit. Uh, I also noticed, uh, I looked at momentum sleepers and these are old momentum stocks that have been going sideways or got beat up a little bit. And I've been seeing more and more of these starting to show up on my charts. So that's a great list to work with. Uh, and something you ought to think about, and well, you got to call me on, on that one. Uh, in the meantime, why don't we take a short break, and we'll be right back with the bullish percent and talk about uh, what the market looks like. This is Tim Hayes from the Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in and you'd like to uh, hear the rest of the show, uh, if you go to WHK fourteen twenty AM on Tuesday at noon. They replay this last Saturday's uh, program. Matter of fact, if you don't want to get up at seven o'clock in the morning, you don't mind getting information a little bit late. That's a good. That's a good practice to do. Or if you need a nap, you know, <laughs> I can put you to sleep in no time. Anyway, the the point is, is that fourteen twenty. Uh, you go there. You hit local podcast. You go down to Tim Hayes. And by the way, you can go directly to my webpage from there. So it makes it easy on you. So just go go one place and. Um, I would highly suggest that you look at uh, Bob Dickey's stuff. You know, sometimes understanding the market when you're listening to all these guys spout off is pretty difficult. But when you see it, when you see it and you can understand the charts and you get to understand them, things get different. I mean, look, I so sent to every, everybody on my list, I think there's 200 people on my, on my mailing list, a chart of gold saying if it breaks this number, it's good. It broke the number. Uh, so I, I said to wait till it break break the number because some a lot of those people don't do business with me, so I can't you know out go out and uh, recommend something if uh, they're not doing business with me. Uh, however, it's done fairly well so far, so we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed. This week, um, Facebook put out Libra. They called a stable coin, cryptocurrency. Uh, you know they got enough information on me already, uh, or my wife, I should say. Uh, I'm I'm on Facebook every third solar eclipse, um, but. 
I, I don't know if I want Facebook having more information on me, so I'll just leave it at that. Um, and now we talk about the bullish percent. The bullish percent is um, our our risk guide, and what we're looking for uh, is to to do things smart. And why we like the bullish percent? It's it doesn't have a heart or a soul. It's soulless. It just tells us what it sees. Okay. It, you know, I don't have any emotion in the game. I have nothing. And that's what you, that's what gets you in trouble in this business is emotion. People say, you know, my wife told me, said, you, Tim, you know, you can be ruthless. And I said, you have to be in my business. And sometimes I'm not ruthless enough. You know, I've got burned on a couple stocks in my life. Uh, everybody has. And I wasn't ruthless n- enough. And, uh, you know, I was buying things off of, uh, you know, buying low, selling high, but I, I bought low and they went lower. Okay. So, the point is, is that um, what you want to do is, is you look at this thing, and it was, it was designed by some people back in Charles Dow's day, and what they want to do is be bearish at the top and bullish at the bottom. So they put a point and figure chart between one and a hundred, and when it gets over seventy, that's the hot zone, the red zone. Okay, that's when everybody's talking about their portfolio. That's when you should be frightened. And then when it gets below thirty and everything's you know blown out on the on the on the bottom, uh, that's when you should be a greedy. When everybody's bummed out, that's when you should be greedy. And people don't think that way. Trust me, I've been been in this business way too long. They think exactly the opposite, you know? So anyway, uh, this, and by the way, there's a couple other things you want, you know, you, if you want to be in the market regularly, you want domestic equities to be the number one asset class. You know, back in 2007, 2008, they were the last asset class. They were, they they were below, below, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a worm's belly. Okay. And uh, it showed. As a matter of fact, I made the call on the show. I said, I think the money market will outperform the stock market. It was simple. They were the lowest form of uh, life on earth at that point. Okay, Now they're number one. And people are shedding equities left and right. $145 billion has left the equity market this year. Love it. Anyway, so right now uh, we would turn around at 48. We finished Thursday night at 47.3. Now, I had a lot of red on my screen on Friday, so I don't know. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens, but we, we might be very, very close to turning around. Don't know for sure. The over-the-counter index was at 39. It would turn around at 42. So these are in column of O's. So, uh, hey, look, never anticipate an anticipator, okay? That's how you get yourself in trouble, Wait till it happens. Uh, you know, if you're one of my clients, you'll know about it Monday, probably or Tuesday. Uh, if you're not, then <laughs> you give me a call. Anyway, uh, the only uh, group that's still in a column of O's is the dollar. I mean, is the world index, and that's that's way it's down like eight points from uh, eight percentage points from where it would turn into a column of X's. So the over-the-counter index is very close. The New York Stock Exchange index is much closer. But you know, we didn't uh, nothing we have no changes yet okay in the bps so uh don't go out and be buying stocks and getting crazy or anything like that uh mid and large cap growth have been the biggest gainers of the of uh of buy signals this year so far and uh unfortunately i thought we'd get into value stocks and i'm, I'm a little early uh the s&p 500 is once again flirting with all-time highs yet the the small cap index is, is on a negative trend on its default chart. And it's well below its 2019 and all time highs. So I don't, I, you know, I, it's, that is a canary in the coal mine. You know, you want 
You don't want the generals and the kings leading you to warfare without the foot soldiers, okay? Because if the foot soldiers are back smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee at the at the barracks, uh, you don't have much support, okay? Who's going to run the artillery? Who's going to run the tanks? You know what I mean? So um, I don't know about you, but I prefer to have the foot soldiers working with me. So that's something to be careful with. I, you know, I looked at all the indexes, and the Dow Jones is positive. Uh, the EEM is negative, uh, but it, it it looks like it's in a bottoming process. The uh, mid caps and small caps, the mid caps are, are been positive for about a week. The small caps are still negative, and so is the QQQ, which we said probably would happen. And uh, but the uh, all the S and P's, you know, the the, the uh, equal weight and the regular market weight are are both positive for a week, and so isn't the the XLG, which is the fifty largest stocks. It looks like to me that money keeps flowing back in there, no matter what. And as, uh, usually that's not a not a good thing. You you want uh, you want something else to happen, okay? So. Uh, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't like that idea. You know, just cr- cramming money back into large caps. But if you look at the the Dow, the S and P, and the and the XLG, they all have three or four tops right where they are. And I don't know if they peaked over it. Uh, we'll see. But you know, we we hit a new high on the QQQs for about four minutes about a month ago, and then we got crushed. So it's something that you've got to pay closer attention to. We still only have, uh, we look at the bullish percent for the different groups out there, and we only have four groups that are favored. Remember, January 28th of 2018, we had 29 of the 40. So we only, you know, I'm only going to talk about these, and I'm going to talk about the ones that are unfavored below 30, but uh, at 75, we have electric utilities. I would probably wait on buying any utilities at this point. And like I said, I I would not be buying bonds right now, especially tre- treasury bonds, uh, especially the 10-year. Waste management's at, at 60, so you could probably pick away at that a little bit. Protection services at 50. And te- the te- uh, telephony is at 35. Now, we do have a whole bunch of groups that are unfavored, let me say it again, are unfavored below 30, so you want to watch these reverse back up. That's retail, transportation, biotechnology, textiles. Uh, they're at 30. At 24 are drugs, steel, and precious metals. At 18 are oil and oil service. Uh, so there's there's a lot more. We're, we're leaning to, we're lisping to the left, okay, which we're, Got a lot of names in the second and third and fourth categories, but we get a lot of names in the first category too. So if we're looking at a zone type of situation where one and two are oversold, three and four are mid ground, and five and six are overbought, most of our stuff's at the over, you know, from three down. So it's, you know, neutral to oversold. So it'll be interesting to see what occurs here. You know, we only have like four or five groups that are in bull confirmed status. Uh, and that's computers, forest products, household goods, precious metals, and uh, software. And I said that, you know, I thought precious metals had been kind of just sitting there for a while. I bet you they went to uh, favored status as of Friday afternoon. We'll see. That was a big breakout in gold. We talked about it last week and the week before, and we'll talk about it again soon, I'm sure. Healthcare went to, uh, to average from unfavored this week. And gaming went from really unfavored to just barely unfavored. Uh, so those are the two big changes that I see. Uh, you know, 
the trade deal is going to be huge for gaming. Just tell, I'll just let you know that. Now, I was looking at world indexes, and, and uh, you know, China, Indonesia, Japan are all looking kind of crummy. Uh, you know, they they broke out and then pulled back hard uh, as soon as, you know, uh, they they we thought that there was going to be a, a trade deal. And China broke a triple top, and uh, uh, Japan broke a double top, and uh, Indonesia actually just barely made a double top and then fell back. Um but most of them violated their uptrend line. So now we've got to see what happens from there. But the Middle East, I don't know what's going on with the Middle East. The Middle East is held up very, very well. I looked at the Wisdom Tree Middle East uh, Dividend Fund and a couple other names like that, and they held up extremely well. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, the Fed wrapped up its two-day meeting, and uh, bonds just rallied huge because they didn't do anything. Okay, uh, The 10-year is now uh, you know below 2%. It's a you know it's only been below two percent for about uh, maybe let's see it was three months at sixteen two months and uh, and fifteen so maybe six months in the history of the United States so there you go now crude oil uh, which we thought was going to have a little pullback had a big pullback and it's been eight weeks now so it's been negative I am noticing the the commodity indexes that have large crude oil exposure are still negative. Uh, where the ones that don't have gone positive, gold's been positive for five weeks, and corn's been really going crazy. Uh, and, and the question is, is inflation mean reverting? What I mean by that, in the 70s, we, we had very high inflation, pretty high inflation in the 80s, less in the 2000s, and even less now in the 2010s. Uh, so inflation rates tend to be mean reverting, so as periods of higher inflation tend to be followed by years of below average and vice versa. So I think there's some historical support for the notion that gold would be a good hedge against the spike in inflation, and that's what we're seeing. Uh, we're seeing gold pop back up, so we'll see what happens coming up here. On the relative strength buy signals, remember, these are names you should probably be jotting down. Some of them can last for a long time. Octernal Therapeutics, Prologis in the REIT area, uh, Front Yard Residential, Intrexon, that company has a lot of potential right there. Discerna Pharmaceuticals, SNAP, Cura, Oncology and Mesa. On the sell side, it's Pyrex, Grief Brothers, Investors Bank Corp, Team, Inc., uh, NLink, Midstream, Sprout Farmers, Blackstone uh, Minerals, GCP Applied Technologies, and Hess Midstream. Hey, stay tuned. We're going to talk about insiders next. This is Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. Uh, you just tuned in. This is the Smart Investor Show. And uh, once again, you know, if, if you want anything that we talked about on the show, uh, please go to my webpage that you can Bing or Google Tim Hayes Radio and I show up. And this is where we talk about insiders. And a lot of people are, you know, look, I got to admit, this is the most insider buys I've ever seen in a, in a period of time, this first six months of the year. So something good must be happening. Unfortunately, we've had a lot of guys that were long. Uh, Warren Buffett's been wrong twice. Uh, he had Kraft Heinz and he had T- Teva. Uh, the guys at uh, Transocean, you know, bought 5.7 million shares at, at 10, 11 bucks. They were, at, by the way, a singer from Elliott bought 14 million at nine and then sold it. So some people have been wrong. But remember, back in May and April, Southbees, we had 18 insider buyers that we talked about. 
Third Point LLC just bought, you know, they bought 13.6% of them. They just bought them. It was a 50% gain in your money in that time. La Jolia Pharmaceuticals, or La, Ho- La Jolla Pharmaceuticals, I'm sorry, I've been corrected on that a couple times, was up 50% after the insiders bought. And I had a little bit of that. I didn't have that much. So this is something to pay attention to. An American Asset Trust, you know, they were buying 32. The stock's 45 now. It had a 6% yield. That's a home run. You know, in six months, that's a home run. So there we go. Anyway, uh, now we, we do, we've had some strikeouts, too. I mean, uh, Teva's been a strikeout. So hasn't uh, um, uh, TransOcean. So there's been some strikeouts. There's been some home runs. Okay. Uh, we did notice that the CEO and, and one of the directors at Guest, uh, which is the apparel store, uh, they bought, he, he bought twice, 2.5 million and then 2.11 million three days later. That's a good chunk of change right there. Um, we also had, uh, Yext, uh, which, uh, I own some of. So, you know, uh, I gotta say that on, on the air. We had the CEO buy 200,000 shares, uh, which is always nice. You know, in new, in new issues, usually they're distributing shares back. So it's interesting that they're buying. The chief technical officer bought 50,000 too, and then there was three or four others that bought five or 6,000. And Jeff Singer, if you don't know who Jeff Singer is, you should. He's uh, Paul Singer's son of Elliott Management, and he's a 10% owner of Immersion uh, Corporation, which is in the uh, application software area. And the stock got beat up from from 10 down to 7, 70, and he... He's a ten percent owner, and he bought one point three million, and then three days later bought another seven hundred seventeen thousand. And Compass Diversified, which is a uh, is an interesting name. Uh, this was this is a company that um, one of the great billionaires of the world started. Uh, he also owns several other companies, but you got to look up your own stuff. But Elias Sober uh, bought three hundred seventy one thousand shares three times. Compass has a nice dividend too, by the way. Uh, so it's it's uh, one of those names that uh, uh, you know you can hold on for a long time. You might not make much money on the stock, but you'll certainly uh, love the dividend. Um, and then uh, First Citizens Bank Corp. Uh, we had the chairman and CEO bought 1.9 million shares. Uh, it's trading around 440 dollars, but he he bought a lot of it, and that's you know, you, you like to see, especially because it's pulled back a little bit. And then uh, also Chemical Financial, a director bought, uh, three directors bought uh, $395,000 each, and then one bought two hundred and forty-one. dollars And, you know, the stock's down from uh, the, the 58, 59 area to 39, so that's a good thing. And then uh, PBF Energy, the CEO bought $950,000 worth, and it was a $66 stock, it's now 24. By the way, he did buy some uh, in the 30s, and uh, so he keeps buying. And then uh, Prospect Capital, this is an interesting one because it has a nice dividend too. The CEO uh, bought $2.6 million and uh, then bought uh, another $1.5. So uh, this is the first buy in a long, long time on that stock. And the, and the guys at Heister Yale continue to buy, the Rankin family. Uh, you know, they, they bought a lot at, at 50, stock went to 76, and then uh, came uh, spring and uh, they beat it up again. And there was uh, four buys of uh, two hundred seventy-four thousand each. Then there was four more buys, one hundred forty-four thousand dollars each, and the whole family's buying. And Keith Meister continues to buy MGM. Uh, he bought several times last week, and then he bought another three point seven six eight million this week, and then another two point nine six million. Uh, and 
Scientific Games. Haven't heard from Ron Perlman since last week when he bought some Revlon. He bought some more Scientific Games. You know, when he, last time he bought it was 16 and went to 30. Uh, now it's 19. Be interesting to see where it goes from here. Uh, i got just a couple more. Um, GT, uh, G1 Therapeutics, uh, GTHX is a symbol. We had uh, seven buyers of 20,000 uh, shares. That's 140,000. Turns out to be about 2.58 million, but you like to see multiple buyers like that. And then uh, Voyager Therapeutics, which has been showing up on my charts, we had eight buyers of 15,000 to the tune of 120,000. Uh, that's about uh, 2.9641. Uh, and then finally, oh, I already said that one. So there we go. Uh, so what, am, what else am I seeing? Look, I'm telling you, I was looking at, I reread that healthcare uh, conference stuff, both day one and day two. Man, there's a lot of good information in there. And, you know, one thing that everybody's saying that Mr. Trump uh, is, and, and the Democrats are agreeing upon is health care, drug pricing. Uh, and that's true. But they've also let up on a lot of health care. And the FDA is also speeding things up. Uh, there's been a lot more, you know, as, uh, you know, a lot more approvals lately than there has been in the last eight years. Um, and I'll leave it up to your imagination. Uh, but the point is, that's that's important. Now, a couple of things. Uh, by the way, if you want that, just go. You know, Tim Hayes, Google Tim Hayes, Bing Tim Hayes. Hit the, uh, you know, uh, Tim Hayes Radio, and and just hit the contact me. Um, if you look at the Dow Jones Industrials and the transports, the industrials and transports tend to move together over time, but the performance has diverged over the last few months. The Dow Jones going up, and the transports are not following. And, uh, you know, they're, they're usually, transports are usually uh, an early indication of economic trends that can get translated to the rest of the market as the indexes and the conditions continue, you know, strengthen or weaken, okay? So market followers would prefer to see the industrials and the transports moving step and step together. So recent market action has seen the transports uh, underperform the industrials during the rally. Uh, you know, the re- industrials are within like, a, you know, they're spitting distance of the all-time high, while the transports remain 10% below. That might be a problem. Now, we talked about gold, and for you gold freaks, uh, gold is broken out, okay? Uh, so I'm looking at the continuous gold contract, and it's it's broken above the level that we talked about, and I sent that out to a lot of people, so hopefully you, you acted on it, made a little money. Um, but I don't know. Uh, you know, look, we have this market that's, you know, been very volatile for the last 18 months and uh the, the range has made very little progress and i thought it was interesting because back in 2018 you know john bogle was talking about indexes 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 well it's gone nowhere you know and uh, i said this on the air i mean i love the guy i i haven't met him uh, you know god rest his soul and all that stuff but every time he talked up his indexes uh he did it in 87 on the traders channel in chicago he did it in uh, 1999 and 2000. He did it in 2007, 2008. He was on CNBC regularly talking about the indexes. Well, if you would have bought in 2000, you would have had a negative return for the next eight years. Okay? And it could, you could say nine years. So the indexes are not always the way to go. The, you know, uh, they are in good times maybe, but you better be the first guy out. That's all I got to say. Now, 
the, look, the, I said last week that the 10 year rate accelerated to support around 2%, where it, I think it was going to stabilize, you know, and I, Bob Dickey did too, so I'm not the only one that's, that's wrong here, but he, he, you know, he predicted 2%, he was right, but we broke 2%. We got the 1.98. That's a big move down, so, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I guess the question is, if everything's okay, why are the small caps not going up? Why are the transports lagging the S&P 5, I mean, the Dow Jones Industrials by 10%? Why is the 10-year yield at, at the third lowest level in history? You know, you think about that. Ponder that for a while. I, I think it's kind of interesting. So, look, uh, interest rates... Like I told you, you know, we, we thought it was going to be 2%. It's broken below that. It'll be interesting to see if that holds. Uh, oil, there was, you know, some support around 50. I think this Iraqi thing, you know, shooting down the drone has, uh, you know, really picked up things. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going after the U.S. and they're, they're, they're testing Mr. Trump to see what he'll do. I don't think I'd do that if I were them. Um, so we, we bounced up about 10% from that 40, that $50 range. None of the oil stocks believe it. Oil is now below 5% as a measure of the S&P 500. I think that's big. The question is, will that turn around? Or, look, a lot of millennials out there, they don't believe in oil at all. But, like I said, the last five power plants, and you need power plants to run electric cars, three of them were oil, two of them were natural gas. Uh, gold, trend has improved drastically with the breakout. <clears throat> I think uh, the breakout is significantly bullish, in my opinion. I think Bob Dickey agree with me. Uh, silver, I haven't seen anything action there. Natural gas continues to die. The dollar broke the short-term uptrend line. Now, it's still in the long-term uptrend, but it'll be interesting to see. You know, if it breaks 96, you got to be careful. By the way, when the dollar goes down, you buy value stocks, you buy commodities, you buy emerging markets, you buy the foreign markets. So if the dollar tails off for a while, Things could get very, very interesting in that area. All right. So, uh, somebody asked me why I was talking about the emerging markets. If the dollar hangs, hangs tough, I'm going to be wrong in emerging markets, but they're down far enough where I can be wrong. Okay. I, you know, I, I, I recommended them when they were down. They moved up about five to eight percent. Now they're testing the low again. Same with the, the, uh, the Chinese stuff. So here's what I'd be doing. I'd be looking, uh, at the healthcare conference. There's two days. Good stuff. Uh, I, I got I got some really great names out of there, uh, and I also think our best ideas and our dividend growth portfolio. I'm not sure about the prime income list. It's been up a lot this year simply because of the fact that uh, <laughs> yields have come down so far. So you want to be careful on that one. The ADR list is getting interesting though. It's it made a nice pop, so that's another you want to look at. In the meantime, have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.